right, here we go. You know what time it is. It's time for another episode of The Techie and the Cowboy. We're in season two now, TW. How do you feel? <laughs> I, I feel excited, man. Season two, and we're going for, what, 20 years? <laughs> Why not? Why not do it? So, by the way, my name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And I'm T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. And we have a special guest. As a matter of fact, our first guest of season two. So, T.W., you want to introduce who our guest is? Yes, this is my good friend, Hawk Hegeback. Uh, I met him at Johnson Ferry Church, where we both uh, go. He was a member of a Friday morning men's Bible study. He's also a retired Cobb County police captain, and therefore he was in charge of security for the church for a while, carried a gun, was make, made sure that there were no incidents in the church, that kind of thing. I remember one time I messed up and he offered to pistol whip me right there in the uh, sanctuary. So I've taken him seriously ever since then. <laughs> well, guys, with an introduction like that, I don't know what else I can say. That is hilarious. That is the funniest introduction I have ever get, uh, gotten. Thank you so, so much there, Cowboy. I really appreciate it. You might want to tell him why you offered to pistol whip me. So the reason that I may have been uh, accused of offering the pistol whip, TW, is because while I'm standing there with the pastor, I'm looking around for threats from various areas. We had a few issues uh, in the years that I uh, did that work at the church and just minor things, you know, standing up uh, yelling during the during the sermon or somebody wanting to challenge a pastor in the hallway, that kind of thing needs to get put away quickly. Well, I'm watching the crowd and I see TW in the crowd. I don't register him as a threat. So my eyes just pass right past him. Well, he comes up behind me, sticks his finger in my back and says, reach for the sky, bad guy. <laughs> and I wheeled around and let him know, I think with my facial expression that things are about to get really bad between uh, Hawk and TW. And so he never did that again. It's one of those, it's a, uh, it's a, a verbal, uh, nonverbal language lesson that I think uh, we both learned that day. So it was good. <laughs> Sounds like such a TW thing to do. <laughs> the exact quote was, hey, Hawk, you're no good at this. I snuck up on you. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and kick this amazing Techie and the Cowboy intro, but TW, before we do that, talk about what's our subject for today. Well, the reason that I invited Hawk to come here is that he is he's on a journey uh, very publicly and very privately uh, because of his experience as a motorcycle policeman. He rides motorcycles for fun. And right now he is on this tremendous journey starting out in Atlanta, headed up all the way up to the state of Maine, across the US to Seattle, up to Alaska, through the Yukon and the territories there. And then he's on his way back through California, gonna go down to Mexico, across to Texas, and eventually back up to Atlanta. And so I, what I wanted to know was how this journey was affecting his spiritual outlook since I knew in part this is what he calls wind therapy. He wanted the wind in his face to do what uh, that kind of driving around does. And so hopefully he sure. can explain that to us. Yeah, well, 
I think it would be interesting for your listeners to hear the reason for the trip or the reason that I need this wind therapy, quote unquote. So last November, uh, November 2nd, my, um, my father, 82 years old, uh, sort of, um, well, he passed away at 82. That's a good long life, but he wasn't, he hadn't been ill or anything, but he was a lifelong guide to me. He was a clinical psychologist, great man, the smartest man I ever met, a real huge uh, gut-busting loss uh, to myself, my two brothers, friends, families, neighbors. It was just a, a shock. Less shocking uh, because she had been battling cancer for about eight months. Seven days after my father passed away, my wife passed away. Uh, after 20 years of marriage, we have four daughters. So I found myself at 51 being um, widowed with four children. And uh, of course, my father had named me the executor of his estate. So I had to handle his estate as well as my wife's. And so I had to plan two funerals. My father's was on a Friday. My wife's was the following Monday. And it was uh, what I call the worst November of my life. It was absolutely devastating. My, um, my uh, faith has been rocked completely to the core. You know, there's a God above dispensing justice and loving me and watching over me. And still he takes the two most important people in my world away from me uh, within a few days. So I needed to have time to reconnect. I needed to take time to get away. But fortunately, because I had just recently retired from the police department, I had a pension. My daughters are independent. They're, they're, uh, so they're all over 20 years old. They're married. Uh, three of them are married. The three oldest girls came from my wife's previous marriage. And I got to tell you, marrying a woman with three kids, it's the only way I could legally marry four women and still live in the United States. It's just <laughs> a thing. Um, that, was part of, that was part of the attraction. You know, what every bachelor is looking for is that single mother of three girls, you know, preteen. So anyway, we got married and had another daughter. So all of my daughters are now grown. My youngest is 19. She's in a technical school to become a motorcycle mechanic. So she's living in She's doing dorm life, college life, and the others are grown. So it left me with a huge house in uh, Metro Atlanta. I had a four bedroom, three bath house, uh, half an acre in the suburbs, just me. Uh, so of course I cleaned that out, painted it inside and out, sold it. And then uh, sold my dad's house uh, at about the same time. And just all the rigors of getting the house ready for sale, that was another big challenge. Well, as soon as the home sold, I ride motorcycles a lot. I've written books on motorcycling uh, in the Southeast United States. It's uh, motorcycle adventures in the Southern Appalachians. So everyone sort of asked, so when are you gonna take off on your motorcycle? It was predicted by others before I had even considered it. There's a drummer for Rush, Neil Pert, his wife and daughter passed away in the same year maybe about 10 years ago, his wife died of cancer, his daughter died in a car crash. And um, he took off on a motorcycle and wrote a book that he titled Ghost Rider. 
and it was about how he used the road as a sort of therapy for his uh, for his recovery uh, and journey through uh, the mourning process. So that's really what I'm after. What I've done is I've bought a new motorcycle. It's a Honda Africa Twin. It's a dual sport, so I can ride on dirt and on the road. I put some knobby tires on it so it can handle the mud and gunk that is all things Yukon and Alaska and really rode everywhere. I've, I've been all the way up the East Coast into Quebec, Canada, into Ontario, Canada, uh, back into the U.S. through Chicago, across the northern U.S. to uh, Seattle, then up through British Columbia, riding through British Columbia into Alaska. I rode north to Prudhoe Bay, which is as far north as you can go on a road in North America, and then all the way south to Anchorage. Then uh, back through the Yukon, stopping in Banff and Jasper National Parks, and then back into the United States through Glacier National Park, and then back across to Seattle down the West Coast. That gives you an idea of the direction of the trip, but really the main focus of the trip was, uh, and I'm traveling alone, and people ask me all the time, they say, so are you lonely? And that's the point. I'm alone, but I'm never lonely because of the people that God puts in my way. He uh, puts people in my way every day. I make a point of sitting down at the coffee shop and talking to the person next to me. And when you have a motorcycle, you're carrying a motorcycle helmet, and you have Georgia plates, and you're in the northern Yukon, people come find you. You know, they want to talk to why, why is this guy in our neighborhood 500 miles down a one-way dirt road? How, why is this guy? And they want to figure that out. So it's, it's really been a, a remarkable uh, way. It's not just a remarkable way of travel, but it's been remarkable therapy. And then wind therapy itself comes from a concept that I have called the paradox of relaxing excitement. So I like to ride motorcycles. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty good at it. I ride, I rode professionally for years as a police officer and I, I raced for a season in the championship cup series. And I, I like to ride motorcycles, but focusing on the road, uh, which you have to focus on the road, the ride, the dirt, the, you know, the surface conditions, animals on the side of the road, other vehicles, pedestrians, your focus is so much on that that you're not able to focus on other things, you know, things like your bills, your whatever. I'm, I'm getting my bills paid. Don't worry, everybody. But, um, but it's the paradox of relaxing excitement. You're just so busy uh, dealing with what is right in front of you that you can't really, you can't spend too much time uh, hovering in the past. You know, uh, when I stop for the nights, then I reflect on my dad beautiful wife and I think about them an awful lot but I also know that they would absolutely want me to enjoy this trip so that's a basis of the trip and that's kind of a quick history of it yeah I believe that they're watching over you as it is that you're you're traveling too so you have two guardian angels watching over you as well so that's awesome so talk about like three big big revelations that you've had so far as it is that you've been, you know, as you're going through this wind therapy and as you're meeting these different people, have there been anything or is it still to come? Um, you know, some revelations that you've had just about life in general, the value of life and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So, so three things. I, I can think of a couple just right offhand. Uh, one is um, it really doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> when you really break it down to it, it really doesn't matter. People get concerned about schedule and making sure the kids make it to soccer and and you know those day-to-day things they matter in the moment but really really what matters is your health uh the love that you have for other people and and what they have for you ultimately it's about uh well that's kind of lesson one is a lot of things that we care about don't actually matter and learning to discern those things is important you know great habits good habits they matter you know brush your teeth every day wear deodorant if you're going to be in public you know those are not bad things those kind of things <laughs> but being caught up in oh my gosh i've got to do xyz before this thing happens no not really you know it it's okay to do just the z thing or whatever you know it it's it's going to be okay then the other thing is, is is how to meet a stranger my my son-in-law He's German. He's a very forward guy. You know, he's, he's, he's blunt, like most Germans, you know, he's like, yeah, so I don't know how you go to meet all these people. So I explained to him while I sit down, you know, if it's a breakfast restaurant, I sit at the bar at the breakfast restaurant. So you sit at the breakfast bar, not at a table by yourself. So you don't have that empty chair across from you. That's one thing. So you're not sad during breakfast. Then the other thing is, you're communally eating, which sounds a little more hippy-dippy than I mean it to be, but that's how to meet strangers. When you eat uh, like that, when you, and, and eating is a, uh, it's a natural instinct. It's something that we do to survive. And when you share a meal with another person, so you're doing this survival activity together, whether they're strangers or not, they, they identify, oh, we're we're sharing this meal together and then you can share conversation together. So really how to meet a stranger is one of the big things that I've learned uh, on the trip because I've met, (laughs) I've met hundreds of great people, but I've met at least three people that are my friends for life, which is amazing to me. That how to meet a stranger is almost a book title right there in itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> how to meet a stranger while on the road by Hawk. That's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of which, I love that whole it doesn't matter. You've had a couple of twists and turns as on your trip so far. And I guess you had to take that it doesn't matter uh, attitude because of course, you know, you have a plan and a map and you know, kind of a schedule. So talk about some of those uh some of those unexpected twists. Right. So really Hilariously, and uh, so I've been on the road for a little over 10 weeks. Uh, I have added about 16,000 miles on the motorcycle. Wow. And in that time, I've had three and a half hours of rain. So I'm blessed beyond measure when it comes to weather. I get that. You know, it's not snowed <laughs> on me yet. It hasn't rained hard on me yet. And it's just funny the confidence that you get from that. I, I, in meeting one of my lifelong friends he's a guy named greg from new zealand he's riding around the world on on a motorcycle similar to mine he and i met and he asked me so hawk you know how's the weather been for you i said sun always shines on hawk hagaback and he just laughed and laughed and said that is the craziest thing i said no you should follow me yeah just 
go on my website, you know, check me out. That's, seriously, it doesn't rain. Um, but I've had a couple mechanical issues. Those are not insurmountable. You know, it's a, it's just a machine, you know. Plus you so, killed a grouse somewhere, didn't you? Or a pheasant? I did. I did. So a few years ago on a different motorcycle trip, when I had my daughter um, on the back of the motorcycle, my youngest daughter, I hit a deer and uh, didn't crash, but I killed the deer, busted my motorcycle up, but didn't go down is what I mean by crash. I have seen every bear in North America, um, all of them, all of them, millions of bears. No rain, but you got the bears. On the uh... I, I swear, it's, the, it's been the coolest thing. All of them have been running away from me. Well, except one. And she wasn't running away from me or toward me. She was just swatting her cubs out of the road so I could go by. And then, um, yeah, so what TW mentioned was uh, this grouse. Just driving down the road, I see a, a huge bird take off from the, the side of the road. And it parallels me. And uh, then it flies directly in front of me and explodes on my front headlight. Just explodes, you know. Blood, guts, gore everywhere, yeah. feathers. <laughs> really? Really? You know, so I get pulled over on the side, run back into the road and pick up what's left of the carcass and move it to the side of the road because I knew if I left it there, uh, another animal would come along and, and eat the remains. So I figured if I got it on the shoulder, at least an animal would be on the shoulder or in the ditch. So as far as adversity, I've had some mechanical issues, nothing too terrible. Uh, I've been really fortunate for that. But honestly, the more you plan for things like that, um, the less likely they are to occur. You know, the, the more you have in your toolbox, the fewer tools you're ever going to use. It's just the way, the way the world works. Okay, I have two questions for you. I can see okay. by following your fan page on uh, Facebook that huh? you are keeping a journal looks like every night you post adventures of the road or whatever. Can you tell us what it is that you're writing down in the journal? And then I'll ask my second question. Sure. So on Facebook, Motohawk Rides, it's at Motohawk Rides on Facebook. And it's on my website also, motohawk.com. If you, if you follow that page, so you'll see a map of my travel for the day. I have a GPS unit that, uh, that travels with me and it tracks me all day so it leaves little breadcrumbs and sort of see what I've done for that day and I'll tell you uh, I tell everybody what you know where I've started from where I ended how many miles was that day and then some of the the ride like who I met what was interesting for the day some of the crazy things that I did like um, those that know me will laugh when I say uh, the world's most obvious statement. I have a problem with impulse control. If I see a pond and I want to swim in it, I'm going to do that. And so I write about that kind of thing, you know, where I'll be riding down the road and I'll be in the northern Yukon and I look at this, oh, look at this pretty, you know, stream right here. I want to go get in it. And I will jump off the bike, go in there, close and all, swim around for a minute, get back on the bike and drive off. Freezing cold, not the smartest thing, but I write about things like that. <laughs> Well, at least you got a, you know, a built-in dryer. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So, TW, you had a follow-up question? Yes. You said at the beginning of the broadcast that um, when your dad and your wife had passed away, that your, your um, belief, your Christian belief, was rocked. 
Tell us about uh, where you are now with adjusting to that reaction. Well, I'm I'm still having the argument with uh, God about why He had to do all that right then. Um, <laughs> I'm, and and I know you know God is is sovereign. I am not. You know I get that. You know his his image is uh is his view is much longer than mine you know so i don't really need to know the answer but sort of where i've fallen is is that uh the lord provides and god is good all the time and it's if you had told me that three days after my wife had passed away while i was planning her funeral and my father's at the same time I probably would have wanted to punch you as hard as I did that day in church. <laughs> but as it is, um, that's actually the case. You know, the Lord has allowed me to be uh, financially able to take this big, mo long motorcycle trip. He's provided great people for me every day. Uh, he's provided unbelievable unbelievably great weather every day um, and and just skill and fun uh, every single day and it's it's funny as I have worked through it you know it took me maybe the first four weeks I was riding through uh, the Appalachians and got up into Quebec I speak a little bit of French and so I'm in Quebec speaking a little bit of French and of course I'm invited to a birthday party and of course, there are people at the birthday party that I meet. And then three days later, I'm hiking in the woods and I run into the same people. Really? You know, this, I mean, like 30 miles away, I'm running into the same people that I've met before. They're like, oh, hey, Hawk, how's it going? Do you need anything? You know, here's a bottle of water or whatever. Like, okay. So this is the Lord just providing me through these people, whether these people know it or not. And that sort of thing happens to me every day, every single day. Um, the Lord just puts people in front of me. And even though I'm still, you know, having this uh, faith argument, this, this wrestling match with God, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to lose because, uh, you know, God is a lot bigger than <laughs> um, but, you know, um, but, but that's really, um, that's really what I've picked up from those days to now. You know, we've talked about it on our, our podcast before. We have a whole episode about how it's okay to be able to be angry at God and to talk to God and to, you know, argue with God because he can, you know, if anybody else in your circle of influence <laughs> that can take it and that wants you to be able to have that kind of relationship with them is God. And we talk about this, you know, uh, TW and I are both Stephen ministers. And we talk about this also with our care receivers a lot as well is that it's okay to be angry with God. You know, it's, it's, he's not going to be mad at you for being mad at him. Matter of fact, he wants to be able to, you to have that open dialogue and that uh, discussion with him so that way he can have different revelations to you. I, mean, I think that when you're in touch with him at that level, then you get to have more of an open channel with him as well. Do you think you've experienced a little bit of that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I liken it to, to a child, really a toddler. You know, if a toddler tells a parent, I don't like you right now. I don't care for you right now. Does the parent respond with, well, I don't like you either? Uh, no, of course, a parent responds with, 
well, you're just a little kid, you know, what do you know? And that's where, uh, that's really kind of how I see uh, God reaching into this particular time. Hey, I'm mad at you. You did X, Y, Z to me, and this is painful. Um, yeah, that's right. Go change your diaper and let's let's get back on the road to rock. You know, that's kind of what I'm hearing from him. Like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Keep going. You know, there's more for you around the next bend in the road. Get get going. What do your daughters say about your journey? They uh, they love that I'm on it. They are uh, they absolutely uh, they're living a little bit vicariously through me, and frankly, a lot of people are, and and that's. Um, it's flattering to hear people say, but it is, uh, they, they are enjoying it very, very much. They just enjoy watching it. I'm a habitual postcard sender, so I carry stamps and uh, send postcards all the time. So they're collecting postcards of my travels, and they just really enjoy it. And they want to, you know, they want dad to be healed. They want dad to be happy. And in the short time that I've come back to Atlanta, I've flown back once spent a few days just like getting my tag transferred to my new address that kind of thing so they they're really just seeing life through new eyes and they they get why i'm taking the trip what happens when the journey's over well i don't know when my journey is going to be over uh i only the lord knows the number of my days and so what the phrase the journey is over i don't know I don't know how to define that right now. And I hate to prance around it, but um, I am retired and I have sold my houses or well, my house and my dad's house. So I'm actually jobless and homeless right now, which is a great way to go through life. Um, but um, So uh, where, do, where does the journey end? I, I don't know that I'm not saying I'm going to stay on the road on a motorcycle for the rest of my life, but I'm really in no rush to um, buy a quarter acre, buy a three bedroom, two bath house and lock myself down for anything. I have nothing like that. So I'm, uh, that's sort of the other side of the coin. What I'm trying to figure is where am I going to live? Am I going to settle down or am I going to buy a little place here or a little place there? And, or am I going to be one of those crazy people with RVs parked in the Walmart parking lot at two o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? <laughs> I have no idea. Why not? <laughs> I have no idea. Like I said, it's a huge blessing for you to be able to have the ability. I mean, the timing is horrible as far as what happens, but the timing for you to be able to have this ability to be able to find yourself is something that a lot of people yearn and dream for. So if you have somebody who it is that's listening that, you know, is saying, gosh, I wish I could get out there and 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 find myself as well. What are some tips that you give to that they could do just in their average everyday life to be able to kind of ground themselves? You know, um, what has provided us with an amazing world, with amazing people in it? You would think after 27 to 30 years of law enforcement, I would just be bitter and would hate everybody. Uh, the opposite of that is true. I, I meet strangers every day and, and I love people. I, people are genuinely great. So the first thing I would say to anyone who says, man, I really want to grab that kind of adventure. Well, do that in your town. Go to a place you've never been to before. Have a seat. Have a cup of coffee with the old guy at the end of the bar and talk to him about what's interesting about his town. And then go to the next town and talk to them about that. Or 
go to a place, and, and I do this too, um, go to a place and ask, how can I help? So it's a crazy, crazy thing about grabbing adventure. You don't have to get on a motorcycle and ride across the country. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go on a mission trip to Uzbekistan or whatever to, to have adventure and spread the word. You can do it uh, in the town next to yours or even in yours. In northern Yukon, I, I'm driving and my motorcycle is built. I see a gas station on the side of the road and it's, you know, above ground gas tanks. It's really rudimentary gas station. I almost want to say air quotes gas station, right? And uh, so I pull in there, there are these two guys wrestling with uh, scaffolding. They're going to paint this two-story building and they're having a hard time. They're wrestling with it. So I pull up on the motorcycle. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Could you grab that, do that, do that, do that. So those two guys, we ended up sitting and talking for three hours because I helped them with the scaffolding. And they said, what kind of person does that? I said, what kind of person doesn't? You know, why wouldn't you do that? Um, same, same kind of story. I'm in, uh, I was in Roanoke, Virginia. I wanted to go listen to some music, you know, uh, downtown. You know, it was a, it was a Saturday night, and I knew there were live bands downtown. So I leave the motorcycle at the uh, at the hotel. I catch an Uber to go downtown to a nice restaurant, and, you know, where there's uh, kind of music scene going on. I get out of the o Uber, and there's a guy unloading a van with all this band equipment. And I said, hey, can I help you? He said, yeah, absolutely. Grab that and that and that, and yeah, just bring it in on stage over here. So, I bring it in and I make and I said, you want me to move your van? He said, yeah, if you could put it in the parking deck for us, that'd be great. So I move the band's van to the parking deck. So I get into the restaurant. The manager comes over and says, oh, the band's table is right here. It's the best table in the house. Oh, I'm not with the band. Oh, no, no, you are. They told it. They told us all you're you're the roadie. Oh, okay. So there I am treated to dinner by strangers. Not that, not that I did that for trade, but you can do that anyway that's awesome this is awesome advice <laughs> i love it i love it something to live life by is just you know when you see help, people needing help to help them any final questions yeah. you have for mtw before it is that we we wrap this thing up uh just what's the title of the book going to be that you're going to publish as a result of uh at least the motorcycle part you know that's a great question and i don't know the answer to that <laughs> uh but i think you're not the first one to mention that there has to be a book Oh, you keep rubbing my nose in the fact that you're a successful motorcycle travel author. So I figured this was one of the things you were going to do. <laughs> well, I think it's going to have to happen, but I, I, I don't even have a And Walter, I don't know how successful I am. I mean, they're just the three best-selling motorcycle adventure guidebooks to the Southeast, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, Eastern Tennessee, and North Georgia. I mean, only about 100,000 in print. So I don't know how successful you think I am as an author. I mean, <laughs> Very ugly said. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you being on, man. I mean, I always love hearing about people's life journeys. One of the things I love to do is just ask people their stories. So it's great being able to hear the beginning of your story. It sounds like it's still unfolding as it is that you continue to, to travel. Yeah, absolutely. The story is still going and people can follow me uh, by going to motohawk.com, motohawk.com. And on the bottom are links to the social media sites. So you can click and follow every day. It's, uh, 
it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm do also doing a YouTube channel. It's also a link at the bottom of motohawk.com. So you can see a few of my YouTube videos and kind of get an idea what this guy looks like and why does he sound so funny? <laughs> well, again, we thank you for coming on. Uh, and so we like to do an outro. So we got to figure out a name. What are we going to, we're going to call him Motohawk. Yeah. So that, that'll be yes. his, his name. So, so then again, we're signing off. This is Alistair Hunt, AKA the techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, AKA the cowboy. With our special guest. Well, this is Hawk Hagaback, AKA Motohawk. <laughs> love it. It works. <laughs> All right, guys, we're signing off. So make sure you go and subscribe and uh, definitely follow us on the techingthecowboy.com and listen to some of our other episodes. But for now, let's kick this outro.